There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Zensurance is Canada's leading commercial insurance broker, providing small businesses, startups, and entrepreneurs with the coverage they need. We shop over 50 insurance providers, meaning we help small businesses across hundreds of industries save on their annual premiums. Simply visit zensurance.com forward slash startup, and in just a few minutes, you could save up to 35% on the customized policy you need. That's zensurance.com forward slash startup. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. We're thrilled today to have Jacob Crompton on the show. Jacob Crompton is a senior PR account manager for Publicize, a global public relations firm that helps ambitious tech companies at all stages of development tell their story, build credibility, and reach new audiences. Jacob is an experienced public relations professional who has helped dozens of startups over the past few years use PR to grow their businesses. Jacob has expertise in B2B technology, an eye for detail, and a passion for building strong stories that drive brands forward. Jacob, welcome to the show. Great to meet you, and yeah, great to be here as well. Thanks for the introduction. You really uh, sold me there. I'll hire you full-time to introduce me when I, whenever I go into a room or something. Fantastic. Okay, now I'm going to use you to sell this podcast because I'm going to ask you our standard question one, which is what are, you, what are the top pieces of advice that you hope our entrepreneurial listeners will take away from this conversation today? Great question. So as you said, this, po this podcast is a bit more focused on, on PR. So my top advice um, for entrepreneurs and startups would be that PR is actually affordable and doable for you. I think there's still a bit of a feeling out there, especially among smaller companies, entrepreneurs, that they believe PR is out of reach for a variety of reasons, whether that's cost or time or whatever, right? Um, and it's something they will focus on maybe once their company's grown a lot more, something to focus on down the road. But that's what I want to say today is that's not the case. 
once you get your company up and running or you're a new entrepreneur, once you've got a few boxes ticked of where your company is going, you can definitely get started with your PR journey and start seeing those results that come from PR but actually make an impact on your business. Right. We're at the end of one year now and a new year just beginning. So um, is now a good time for a company to be thinking about, uh, you know, building up their, their PR muscles? Exactly right. So January is around the corner. Start off a new year with starting off PR, right? Um, you've got four quarters ahead of you to plan it out with a, a strategy and tie it to that. So, yeah, there's no time like the present. All right. We're going to dig into that. But first, let's find out a little bit of more about you. So you're from the UK, but I'm talking to you in, and forgive me if I pronounce this incorrectly, Medellin, Colombia. So you're working for a company, Publicize, which is located in Colombia. So tell me about your journey and Publicize's journey to come together like this. Yeah, for sure. It's a bit of a wild journey, to be honest, at least on on my behalf, right? Because I'm from London, from the UK, now living in, in Medellin, in Colombia, um, where I've been for the past three years, since 2018, living here. And how I got here, yeah, as I said, is a bit of a, of a wild journey, something I more fell into, not something I sat down five years ago and, and planned out or, or sketched out, right? Um, as you said, this I is want to hear this story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back. Let's go back to 2015. Um, so I'd recently graduated university, uh, Newcastle University, which is in the UK. I studied politics there. But that's not something I actually wanted to, to have a career in. So I went back to London for a year. But then in 2015, that's when I decided, okay, let's, I don't know, see the world, go traveling. I also wanted to learn Spanish um, as well, have that as a second language. And Central South America had always been on my bucket list um, of places to visit. So in 2015, I booked a one-way flight to, to Mexico from the UK in, in September, landed in Mexico with no real plan per se, more just to learn Spanish and travel south basically until maybe I reached Patagonia or Argentina, <laughs> I don't know, way down, right? Um, All the way, wow. Crossing, I don't know, 15 countries or so. So I started in Mexico, traveled down, I went to, to Spanish school for a few weeks in Guatemala, quickly picked up. Um, Spanish, which was obviously really helpful uh, for the region. And then worked my way through Central America, which took a few months dropping into all the countries there. And then I took actually a boat from Panama to, to Colombia, not a flight. Um, so did it kind of old school, taking a boat, uh, a five-day boat trip from uh, Panama to Colombia to the port city of Cartagena, um, which has kind of been famous for English pirates uh, attacking it four or five hundred years ago when it was a, a storage for all the Spanish gold before it crossed the Atlantic. Um, so that's where I first landed in Colombia and spent around three months here in 2016, just traveling, kind of trying to visit as much of a country as possible, which is, of course, uh, huge compared to the UK, which is a, a tiny island. So everything in in South America just felt uh, supersized in terms of how big so the much bigger, are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, perhaps a bit different from Canada, which is also huge, but coming from the UK where you can drive across the whole country in 
I don't know, seven, eight hours, right? <laughs> Coming to Absolutely. South America or Colombia, where seven hours will just get you from one city to the next. And that's just uh, a few hundred kilometers, right? With the roads that wind through the, the Andes Mountains here. But anyway, I spent a few months in Colombia, but I then moved on to Ecuador. But I still had a feeling that, I don't know, I wasn't finished with Colombia. I wanted to revisit. So that's why in Ecuador, a friend told me, that the Colombian government had a, a teaching program, actually. So they had an English teaching program in Colombia. So I signed up for that. So I found myself... So you're teaching English to the yeah, locals. Exactly. <laughs> in a public high school, uh, no less. So in 2017, I came back to Colombia. I was in a, a city called Armenia, which is in the coffee region of Colombia, where most of the coffee is produced, which is uh, what Colombia is famous for. Um, I was teaching English there in the high school. Um, as part of a the government teaching program to get native speakers into the classrooms to help kids learn English. Um, that wasn't my path either. <laughs> it was a great experience, but I realized quite quickly, like being a teacher wasn't going to be my uh, career or my my destiny, right? Um, but I still wanted to stay in Colombia. So after I finished that uh, Colombia trip, um, sorry, not the trip, the teaching in Colombia, in December 2017, I did a bit more traveling in, in South America, went to countries like Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay, Chile to see a bit more of the continent, but still, you know, had Colombia in my mind. So that's why in the summer of 2018, I came back to Colombia, to Medellin, which so far had been my favorite city or the most livable city for me uh, in Colombia that I'd seen so far and tried to look for a job. So that's how I found Publicize, right? I was arrived in Medellin in June 2018, looking for a job. I didn't have previous PR experience. I'd studied politics. I'd never worked in a, in a marketing agency or in a PR agency that was completely new to me. I found Publicize. PR looked interesting, something I wanted to try out. I got the job in July 2018. It's now December 2021. So what? three and a half years later since I first joined and I'm still in Medellin, still working at Publicize, realized not only that I love PR, but I'm I'm good at it as well. I uh, started out as an account executive. Now I'm a senior account manager. Um, so yeah, it's been a great trip, something completely unexpected, right? If you told me five years ago, Jacob, you're going to be living in Colombia, living in a city called Medellin, working for a, a PR company, I would have, <laughs> I don't know, laughed in, in disbelief, right? But don't know, that's kind of how, what, I, how I got here. Right. Um, wh what is the mandate of Publicize? Uh, do you work with clients in many different countries? So to be honest, most of our clients are in, in North America, right? So most of them are in the US and Canada, I'd say around 80, 90%. We also have some clients in LATAM, uh, in Mexico, in Colombia, in Uruguay, uh, for example, and some in Europe and Asia, but most of them, yeah, are in North America and Canada. So we based in Colombia, but we speak English as the as the main language, as most of our clients are English speaking, basically. Right. And and what kind of clients fit your sweet spot at Publicize? I'd say tech, as you might have seen on the website, like tech, B2B tech, um, SaaS companies are our main sweet spot. We work with a lot of, yeah, 
startups as well, some enterprises, some larger companies, but a lot of startups in the B2B tech space. And that's where we can really uh, help drive results, to be honest. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, this such an interesting story. Um, I got to ask you about PR. A lot of people have heard of it, but there's a, I think there's a, a general failure to actually develop a solid strategy around PR. So can you, can you speak a little bit to the, the importance of PR and the goals of PR? You're right. If PR doesn't have a solid strategy and goals behind it, it's kind of bound to fail and it might be a frustrating or a disappointing or both experience for startups or entrepreneurs or founders, right? Because they might have high hopes for it, but if there's no foundation or strategy behind it, it's not going to be that successful and could leave a bad taste in the mouth of what PR is and maybe you're not going to go back to it again. So developing, not only developing, but also developing and executing on a good strategy is key. Um, what makes a good PR strategy? Well, it has to be connected at its core with the business goals and objectives of a company. So if you're an entrepreneur or startup, maybe you say, okay, we want to raise you know, $5 million, Series A. That's our main business goal for the next year. Or we want to increase sales. So those kind of key high-level business goals and objectives are what a good PR strategy has to be connected to. Because if it's executed properly, a good PR strategy should help drive those uh, goals forward and help the business grow. Not everyone is ready for a, a PR campaign. Certainly when you're a young company, you're often still figuring out what the business model is, what the brand is, and what you know what your pitch is. What is it that you do better than anyone else? So what can tech startups or other early stage businesses do to, to get themselves ready to conduct effective PR? That's a good question. You're right. You can be too early uh, for PRs, especially as a startup or a founder or an entrepreneur with a new company. You want to make sure you are ready for PR. You want to have perhaps an MVP or an early product, you know, be ready for launch, kind of have your some kind of team, <clears throat> perhaps have some marketing activities going on, sales, like everything is already kind of up and running. Um, at some stage and also be clear on kind of what your mission is, what the vision is for the company, have some idea of who your audience are, which we can help then develop, make sure you have some ideas on perhaps branding and messaging, because those are going to be the key factors to make PR successful, right? If you start a company tomorrow, probably a bit too early for PR, but once you've been going for three, six months or a bit longer, you have the basics down. And that's a good time to start building your external narrative with PR. At Publicize, you talk a, a, a bit about a model called PESO, P-E-S-O. Can you walk us through PESO and tell us why it's important for founders to understand? Absolutely. So, yeah, some people have already heard of this. It's quite a famous model, definitely within PR and marketing, but also outside it as well. Not coined by anyone at Publicize. It's been around for maybe six or seven years uh, within the PR industry, but it's something that we do uh, use as a basis for strategy as well here at Publicize. So PESO is a, an abbreviation. So the P is for paid, E is for earned, S is for shared, and O is for owned media. So it's an abbreviation of those four terms. Paid media, earned media, shared media, and owned media. That's right. 
On a broader level, it's basically a segmentation of the different media channels available, which are useful for both PR and marketing, which are intertwined anyway, which we'll get to. And it's important for founders to know, right, as it breaks down all the different ways that they have to get their message out there to their target audience. So by breaking it down into the PESA model, say if you're a startup founder, an entrepreneur, you can see the wide variety of different channels you have for getting your message out there and increasing sales, uh, et cetera, whatever your business goal is. So P is for paid. An example of paid media would be, for example, paying Google to run uh, ad campaigns on Google search. So maybe you want your name uh, to appear on the top of Google search. You can pay Google for that. And that's an example of paid media. On a strictly PR level, paid media could also be paying for a sponsored content uh, or sponsored guest article on a publication, which most publications offer these days as a way to drive their revenues forward, where you can pay them a fee or a one-off price and you can get your article uh, published on their website. Yeah, so earned media is perhaps seen as like the bread and butter uh, of publicize and also most PR agencies will, will heavily leverage this. This is all about leveraging media relations, pitching the media, talking to the media, kind of what PR is traditionally thought about um, to try and get earned results. So earned is, as it says, earned. It's not paid. It might take a few months. It might take some sweat and tears to, to get there, but it's earned. So that would be, for example, pitching, I don't know, in Canada, uh, uh, a beta kit or in the US, TechCrunch and getting them to write about your company because you raised a funding round or did something really cool or launched a new product, right? And where there's no money being exchanged, just based on pitching a journalist, they find your story interesting, they write about your company or your product, and then it goes online without any money changing hand. And that's kind of a traditional PR results that most people think of when they think of PR. Right. So that's classic PR. And the earned means that your story is actually good enough, newsy enough, of broad enough interest that the publication or broadcaster or medium will pick up that story and amplify it and explore it with you uh, for the benefit of their readers, as you say, no money changing hands. Exactly, and it provides value for their publication and their readers. That's what editors and reporters care about, right? Especially with the, the newsroom cuts and kind of trimming down of the media in the past uh, five, 10 years, they need to make sure they provide value for their readers. Like, will their readers want to read this article? Will it get clicks? Will it be shared? Um, so they want to just cover content that, that provides value for their readers. So if you pitch something that's too promotional, just about how great uh, your company or startup is, that's very unlikely to, to get uh, an earned pickup. It might be something you can, you can pay for, which is uh, more promotional. Right. And I love the way you put it, uh, that earned media has to provide value for the audience, whether it's readers or listeners or whatever. Um, because probably most people, when they're thinking, hey, this is a really good story, they'll, they'll, they'll pick up this story about something we've done. The, the people saying that have probably rarely thought, how does this actually add value to other people's lives? And and, and if you can understand that point, that if your story doesn't add value to other people's lives and learnings, then, you know, it's going to be a very hard sell. Exactly. Right. 
And if you're a founder or an entrepreneur, it's easy to be in too deep. Like this is your your baby. You started this company. It's the most important thing in the world for you. But you have to also take a step back and say, okay, well, why should other people care about it? Why should the media care about it? Um, how does it fit into the bigger picture? Because it's only by stepping back and seeing it with that lens, you'll see kind of the potential angles uh, you can go for when speaking to the media. Right. So let's just finish off with shared and owned media. Sure. So shared is, I mean, the most common example would be social media, stuff that can be shared online. So posting on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, uh, whichever platform is best for your audience would be an example of shared media. So if that can be tied to other results as well. Say you get an earned media pickup, um, like an article on a key publication, you can then share that on your Twitter or your LinkedIn and then an earned media becomes also shared media and helps amplify it across another channel as well. Right. And owned? And owned is everything you own, right? So an easy example would be your blog, right? You can make a, a website for your startup or your company. You might have a blog section. You can write whatever you want on the blog, be as promotional as possible, talk about your products, your company. That would be an example of content you own and have full control over. So each of these four things, how should a, a, an entrepreneur think about it? They should explore each of them to say, hey, what resources do I have that I can control, that I can own, that I can share? And then you start looking at the earning and the, uh, and, and the, the, the paid. Exactly. But to be honest, only by leveraging all four. Like if you look at the, uh, the image of the PESO model online, you'll see that it's kind of looks like a, a Venn diagram and all of them overlap with each other, right? So they're not standalone things. They can all be used together, right. um, three at a time, four at a time, two at a time. So by leveraging all four at the same time, you'll hit the middle sweet spot, which is where PR and marketing is really going to move you closer to your business goals. It's you can't really just focus on one or need to be going at the same time for the best results. Right. And you started off this podcast by saying that PR can be affordable for small businesses. And I'm sure there's a few small businesses that have called up agencies in Canada and found out that, uh, you know, that the, the, the retainers and things are expensive and that it is hard to get something going that's affordable. So how do you guys do it at Publicize? So we break it down into almost a SaaS model with packages. So if you go to our website, we have different pricing of different PR packages, as we call them for smaller startups. For example, our cheapest package is around 1500 US dollars. And then we break it down into to tactics from there. By tactics, we're talking about different projects that we can work on at the same time. So that's kind of how we break it down and make it affordable for everyone. And that's $1,500 a month a year a project how does that work that's a month right yeah. um so we normally work with longer term contracts because we know pr doesn't happen overnight or in a week or in a month it happens it's a long-term commitment and a long-term investment that where interest compounds over time so we normally work with clients for a year uh, or more and so that price is per month right and I, I guess the goal for most PR campaigns is, is is that earned media. So getting on the front page of the Globe and Mail in Canada or the New York Times or a tech magazine uh, in the United States or what, 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 whatever is most important to 
each company's audience and its strategy. So how can business founders position themselves to start winning earned media attention? We, we talked about, well, you got to create value for those readers and listeners. So what tactics would you recommend for doing that? Good question. So we are publicized or very much focus on earned media, even though it now needs to be used alongside and with the other segments of the PESA model, as we've discussed, you can't just focus on it, but it is a key part um, of any PR or marketing uh, strategy, but we'll focus on PR for now. I mean, it's great, right? Firstly, it's free. You're not paying for anything. It takes time and effort and expertise and all of those resources, um, especially time. But it's incredibly powerful when used right. Um, as I said, it's free. So for founders, it's important to be ready for earned media. If you're an entrepreneur, a founder, you need to have something interesting to talk about to cut through the noise and make an impact. You're not paying for ad space. You're not paying for a promotional article to talk about how great your company is or how much you grew in the past year. So positioning you and your company in a way that gives value to the media is vital, right? Kind of tying your company to the wider industry, to a, a news story or a current event or perhaps the time of the year, uh, for example, is the best way to do it. So tactics I would recommend would be first connecting earned media to a PR strategy. So like, why are you doing this? For who, where, who's your audience? And so on, connecting it back to a PR strategy so it's not just scattershot attempts at earned media would be the first step. Then finding the right publications and media contacts who might be interested in your story, your news, or your insights on whatever it is you want to share with them. So if that's the Globe and Mail, okay, well, who's the right reporter or the editor who might be interested in what you guys are doing. If it's if you have a health tech startup, maybe you want to speak to the, the tech reporter or the reporter who covers the health space. If you have a don't know, an AI company, you might want to speak see if there's a reporter who covers more of a tech and AI area of the industry, right? So finding those people is the most important. And then ultimately after that it comes down to pitching. So writing that email to them or sending them that DM on Twitter to that media contact and starting to engage with them, starting to build and nurture that relationship through conversation with them is what's going to help you get off the ground. Because they might not cover you this week. Maybe they have 10 other stories to work on, but maybe three months down the line, they remember that conversation with you and they might reach out um, to write a story about your company or how it fits into the bigger picture when something comes up a few months down the line. Right. How important are those relationships? with those particular journalists that 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 are the the guardians of the space or time on the media that 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 you covet that one covets so much i think they're vital i think media relations is still critical for for pr success to be honest that's one of the main reasons why people go to specialist pr agencies right to get access to those media relations that have been cultivated and nurtured over months and years, right? People can have, might have met a journalist five years ago and is still speaking them to them today, right? So that can't be bought or fashioned up in a week, right? I think those media relations are, are vital. Um, yeah, really important. It doesn't mean they're going to cover every story you pitch them. It obviously still has to be newsworthy, provide value, all of those other things we talked about. But at least if you have a relationship with them, it means they're likely to 
to open your email. If they're getting a thousand pitches in their inbox every week, they are going to recognize your name and at least read uh, what you have to offer them. Right. But who owns the relationship? Is it the, the business owner or the staff member who's responsible for this? Or is it the PR intermediary such as you at Publicize? So if you're working with an agency like Publicize, we own the media relations. It's our job to speak to the media, nurture those relationships, write the pitches on, on the company's behalf and do all the, all the legwork, right, of writing the pitches, finding the right contacts, nurturing and building and leveraging our relationships. But also sometimes founders and entrepreneurs can reach out themselves to the media, um, which has happened before. Right. So my background is a uh, former business journalist, uh, magazine editor, uh, newspaper columnist. And I had a lot of PR people who considered me their friend. And I can, can't name more than five of them that ever became my friends. Um, I think that the idea that a, a, that a, a PR firm has a relationship with a journalist is probably a little bit overstated. Because they have, yes, they have the phone numbers, they have a contact list, but I'm not sure they have a relationship. So what would your response be to, uh, to, to a provocative statement like that? It's a good, it's a good question. Controversial point. I, I like it. Um, <laughs> good man. Yeah. I mean, as you said, there are journalists who have crossed over to PR and PR who have crossed over to, to journalism. It doesn't happen often, but they've... Uh, shared some good tips on that as well because you're right it's it can be fragile but not necessarily your friends it's a professional relationship right but it doesn't mean they're always gonna speak to you their journalist plates are, are very busy right but just having at least uh phone calls don't happen so much anymore but whether it's a dm over twitter or on social media or emailing them it's likely that they will at least read your email and say yes or no or maybe later to you once you have that relationship going with them but that takes months and even years sometimes to build and nurture those relationships right so it's not a free pass it's not pr is not who you know like any agency saying oh we know x and x people like take that with a pinch of salt right it's not who you know it still is about the pitch and having something newsworthy and valuable to share even if you know a hundred people or boast or that you know a hundred people, that doesn't really matter anymore, right? It's still who you know is just a first step um, to getting that earned media coverage. We know that the traditional media, the the, the ones that I grew up with, uh, the, the Globe and Mail, the big magazines, um, you know, the, the, and, and even in broadcasting, uh, radios and TV stations as well, they have fewer resources to cover stories. The, the newspaper space itself is shrinking. Uh, the newspaper that I used to write for used to have two sections on small business a week. And then it was one section and then it was one page. And then it was, you know, the odd story once in a while, the whole news hole shrank and business news. That's sort of nice to know, but not imperative to your daily life is, is the sort of, of, slot that a lot of startup news fits into uh that the, the, the capacity there is just incredibly diminished so i'm wondering uh how 
a PR company manages that now. Are there enough new online publications that are making up for that gap? I think so. Yeah, as you said, uh, the large newsrooms, the Globe and Mail, New York Times, Washington Post have shrunk considerably in the past year, and those are some still seen as great results, right? But they might only have one reporter who who covers tech or the relevant space for your startup, right? So that's where kind of digital PR and focusing a lot more on digital publications is key. I mean, you can think of huge publications like Forbes or Business Insider, which have hundreds of journalists and reporters each covering every possible space um, across all industries that don't really, they don't have much of a a physical presence anymore, uh, especially something like Business Insider, but they have hundreds of online reporters who are churning out and writing thousands of articles a week, right? So targeting these kind of newer, large publications that still have massive readership and are very authoritative is kind of the direction that we're moving in at the moment. And also the industry publications, right? Everyone has their eyes on these kind of tier one mainstream publications, Globe and Mail, but there's also a lot of smaller publications who are actually better suited for your niche. You have a smaller story to tell, so you go to a smaller niche publication that covers your industry and that's going to connect you with your audience a lot better um, than a big publication sometimes as well. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really important point is that you really have to look at, um, you know, what is the uh, audience you're trying to influence? And chances are you don't need uh, a national newspaper. Chances are that uh, that trade publication that actually reaches your customers um, most directly is, 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 is probably going to be a better way to go. Exactly. Jacob, can you give me an example of a success story? What does success look like for, say, one of your clients in the PR business? That's a great question. So most people might automatically think, okay, they think of uh, the ego results, as I like to call them, like being in TechCrunch or being in their target dream publications is going to solve all their problems and make them a successful business, which isn't often the case. From our perspective, we've seen a bigger impact on the business goals or or feedback um, and reach outs from investors or potential clients reach out to our clients after we get them in those smaller niche publications, perhaps with a a guest article, which is a thought leadership piece of our client talking about the industry or particular solution to a problem, not very promotional about their company at all, just sharing their expertise. And from those kind of smaller targeted articles in their niche publications, that's when I often hear back from clients saying, hey, an investor reached out to me this week or a potential client uh, sent me a LinkedIn message or an email this week and want to find out more about our services. So I think those unpaid um, smaller articles that provide real value to the audience are actually the ones where they yeah, they're not paid and people actually engage with them and often reach out to our clients after those are published. So that's really cool. So what, what, what you're telling me is that sometimes you don't need news, but we go back to that concept we discussed earlier about how do you create value. And if you can create some new wisdom, learning, insight, how-to for your target audience, then that can have, have, have a fair amount of impact. Exactly. Like most of our clients are smaller startups, working with entrepreneurs, founders, 
and they don't have news every month, right? We're not we're, we're not talking about Netflix or or Microsoft or Apple here, where they can have um, groundbreaking news every every week, right? So in those kind of quieter periods, maybe you have a big news maybe a few times a year at most for a startup. So the rest of the year, we want to focus on yeah, for leadership or writing guest articles about their entrepreneurial journey or their founder story, right? Which is not promoting the company, but building out their brand and in turn uh, promoting their company as well. Right. So how would you work with a client on thought leadership? Like how do you know what their thought leaders in or do they bring the ideas to you or do you guys sort of brainstorm, you know, what the opportunity is? Well, yeah, you got it. It's a, it's a brainstorm call, right? Because often founders or entrepreneurs don't know that they're sitting on something interesting, which is where a PR agency or someone who works in PR can kind of pick their brains, discuss things uh, on a brainstorm call, and then work out kind of what could work for potential publications and the media and their target audience, right? So we normally start by talking with a client, maybe talk about 10 ideas or so, and then we filter that down to maybe, okay, there's four or five interesting points here or, or nuggets of information that we could turn into a pitch uh, or a story and send that to the media. So the relationship we haven't really talked about is the relationship between the company and its uh, PR people and the need for that to to become really well under, for both sides to understand each other really well and to be able to discuss ideas and, and brainstorm things and, and blue sky ideas and be able to say, yes, no, yeah, that's the one. Let's explore this one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a partnership. It's a deep relationship. You should see your PR employees or PR agency or whichever PR pro you're working with as part of your company. You know, they're on by your side. They might work for an agency, but they also work for you, right? They wear the hat of your company and they wear the hat of their agency. And that's kind of how it has to be to build that deep partnership and relationship. The longer you work together, the more you get to know each other, the more you share with each other, the more results and PR success you're going to see. Right. A lot of companies have marketing departments, but I'm not sure where PR fits. And I'm not sure that, you know, the, the startup founders have any idea what the relationship is between PR and marketing. So what, what advice can you give entrepreneurs about syncing up their PR and marketing efforts? You're right. PR and marketing are different, um, but there is a lot of crossover and interaction between them. I think today, 2021, marketing pros need to know about PR and have some of the basics down. And PR pros also need to know about marketing um, and have some expertise in their tool belt on tools that marketing would traditionally cover, right? If we go back to the PESO model, you can see there's a ton of crossover between marketing and PR already there, like shared media, owned media. There's a big blend of kind of PR and marketing activities in there already. And I think they need to work together to have the maximum effect. If you have a, a great marketing team and connect that with a, a great PR team to help amplify the message and connect with the media, then it's going to go it's going to go into overdrive, right? Marketing can reach certain channels, but PR and marketing together can reach all the channels um, in the PESO model, for example, right? 
So for entrepreneurs or for founders, you'll want to either find an agency that can maybe do both, or you'll have a marketing agency and a PR agency or an internal marketing team with maybe one or two uh, PR pros in there or outsource it uh, to an agency and connect them with your, your marketing team. So I think on a basic level, just sharing the strategy, the wins and the audience data across them both is the easiest way to sync them. Like a marketing strategy, which has your buyer persona in it, is also going to be the personas that the PR team are going to want to target as well. So there's a lot of crossover on, on all levels, to be honest. Right. So it sounds like there's a lot of different ways you can you, you, you can mix these two and combine them and have them work together. But the important thing is just to do it, to, to, to make it a team effort as opposed to different silos that are out there by themselves. Exactly. And they should be connected. Like, say, the PR team gets a big earned media win. You're going to want the marketing team or your social media manager to blast that and media result all across your social media channels and, and celebrate that win to connect with your network, right? So just from a basic uh, grassroots level, just from something simple like that, you can see how they, they need to work together. Or if there's a competitor analysis that the marketing team have done, the PR team can look at those competitors and see, okay, let's look at which journalists and which publications are covering your competitors because I'll bet my house that if they're covering your competitors, they're likely going to be very interested in what you guys are up to as well. Right. Okay. One of the things that I was really impressed about with uh, Publicize is that, well, obviously you're 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 out there promoting yourselves to you know to gain clients. You also have a pretty wide range of tools and and guides and playbooks for startups and other small businesses, early stage businesses that are really aren't quite ready to have a PR strategy or hire a PR agency. But, but, but you've got tools to help them get there, free tools on your website at publicize.co. So I'm wondering if you can just talk about a couple of those tools and, and, and why they might benefit some of our listeners. Exactly. So as you said, our website's become a bit of a, an information hub for startups, entrepreneurs, founders who aren't perhaps ready today to start their PR journey, but want to find out a bit more information to see if they are ready or to see if PR is right for their company. So as you said, on publicize.co, we have a whole section on resources. The most popular one or the most famous one, I would say, is the PR for Growth playbook which we update every year so the current version is the pr for growth playbook 2021 so this is a long it's a long read but it kind of goes exactly into how you can use the power of pr to help reach your business goals uh, that year like how to write a pr strategy maybe how to find some influencers to help promote your product how to win uh, media how to media monitor and measure the results of your pr so it's not the same as obviously going with a agency or signing up for publicized services, but it's a it's a good first step to make sure you can see what needs to be done or where you are if you want to be established, perhaps secure funding down the line, increase sales, win new clients, and see how PR can play a role in that. We also have guides, as we have a whole range of guides, as even guides on how to kind of how to do PR in 2021 
what's the purpose of it, um, how to measure, how to pitch journalists in the media. So all of those things that people can also try out on themselves um, before engaging with our services. Maybe you want to try pitching a journalist or two to see how you get on um, and start building some media relations so you can read our guides to find out the best methods to do that. All right. I love the idea of, you know, of, of businesses promoting their thought leadership, promoting their mastery by giving a lot of that information away free. Um, as far as you know, is that actually also a good marketing uh, tactic? Do, do you think you get some conversions from the people who download the free tools who then say, I like this stuff. I'm going to give Jacob Crompton a call. I believe we do. Yeah, we see a lot of conversions from people who maybe downloaded a guide a few months ago and then perhaps have maybe struggled to do it themselves or don't have enough time or, or resources to do it themselves and need our expertise. So then they come back to us and say, well, now you wrote the guide. Can you help me with you know, writing pitches, writing a press release, um, sending it to the media? Um, can we leverage your PR connections there, basically? So yeah, I mean, it's educational, but also yeah, a great marketing tool as well. Well, it also shows your confidence that you say, hey, we can give you the tools, but we think we add value because of our expertise and experience and, and, and knowledge. So we're not afraid to compete with our own free tools. I think that's a, a, a very uh, bold and confident thing for a company to say. Exactly. And I think you need a lot of time and resources to do PR well. It's not, it's not easy. Not anyone can do it or they just do it themselves, right? To build media relations, to write pitches, to write press releases, that can take you know, months of your time to do that and nurture those relationships, um, see what's newsworthy, see what's not. So it's good to have a, a third party, um, but also a, a partner in there to kind of look over what you're doing and perhaps spot what might work and what more often than not, what won't work or what isn't newsworthy. Right. I, I've, I've met a lot of entrepreneurs who say, no, I, I do all our, all, all our PR. And then I say, well, we haven't heard much from you lately. And they say, well, I don't have time. <laughs> exactly. It is, it is time, right? If you're an entrepreneur or a founder, you're wearing 50 hats already. So wearing another hat to do all the PR and take 10 hours a week doing that just isn't. Right. It's not, it's not possible. Okay, Matt, the last question we ask in the Startup Canada podcast is almost always this one. What's the most actionable piece of advice that our entrepreneurial listeners can take from this conversation and implement into their businesses immediately? Got something for me? Yeah. So if I have one piece of advice for entrepreneurs, I'd say don't leave, don't leave it too long to start with PR. I mean, as we discussed, once you have a basics down, um, I think you're ready to launch. I would start with PR. You can obviously start too early, but it's usually better to start too early than too late and just keep giving your competitors the edge in terms of media mentions, media results, and share a voice in the media. We know PR is a long-term game, like it's not going to happen overnight, even in a month or six months. The best companies who are doing PR have been doing it for years and doing it month on month, year on year. And then that interest compounds as they regularly appear in their key publications and you see them everywhere in the media, right? That's not by accident. That's because they've been doing PR for maybe five, 10 years already. So starting as your business is growing means the PR strategy can grow and evolve your business and really get you in front of the right audiences from early on once you're ready. 
expecting quick wins or magic results isn't realistic. So you want to plant those seeds of PR early and then watch them yeah, come to fruition in the months and years ahead, basically. Right. So plant the seeds early and also learn about what works and doesn't early so that when the stakes get really high, uh, you've got you've got some expertise, you've got some track record, you've got some credibility, and you can really make the most of it. Exactly. Hiring a PR agency when you're in the middle of a crisis or you've got big news next week, it's, it's likely already too late. <laughs> Good point. Jacob Crompton is a senior PR account manager for Publicize. They're located in Medellin, Colombia, but they're very interested in clients from Canada and the United States. So check out their website, see if they have tools or guidebooks or anything else that might be of interest to you. Jacob, thank you so much for your time and all your energy. And I wish you uh, uh, continued good luck in your uh South American global career. It's exciting. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And it was a pleasure to be here and, and share my advice. Um, you can follow me on LinkedIn or, or Twitter if you like. And also, yeah, do check out the Publicize website for all of those guides and we discussed today. Okay. Thank you, Jacob. We will talk again. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.